I believe in miracles. Don't say people. I'm doing business here, man. I don't want anybody tells you words and ideas can change the world. Ninety percent of what you're saying ain't coming out of your mouth. From failing, you learn. From success, not so much. Keep moving forward. Welcome to the Small Business Miracles Podcast. I'm Jeff Randolph. This Small Business Podcast is brought to you by EAG Advertising and Marketing. We're going to talk about marketing. We're here to celebrate entrepreneurs. We have marketing advice that business owners can use to keep moving forward, plus a featured interview you're not going to want to miss. Today, we are talking to uh, our friends from Apex Business Advisors. Do you need to sell your business at some point? You should be talking to a business advisor. Your exit matters, and you'd want to have lots of time before that exit happens to work with a business broker to make sure you get the best valuation you could possibly get. Let's listen in, shall we? For today's marketing tip, I wanted to talk about content marketing. There are a lot of companies out there, and it doesn't matter what you are, if you're a business-to-consumer company, if you're a business-to-business company, if you're a nonprofit, there's a good chance that the kind of thing that you're putting on your website, putting on your blog, throwing out on social media is part of a bigger content strategy. You know what you want to write and produce content about, and then how you distribute it, where where are the channels, um, all, all of that is, is a general strategy that a lot of marketing um, kind of companies will, will do. Um, each organization has their own strategy. But according to the, the Content Marketing Institute, only 37% of content marketers have a documented strategy. That's one of those sad statistics that we don't like to see very much, that if you're doing content, you you need to have a purpose for it. Um, In contrast to that, 62% of the most successful content marketing organizations have a documented strategy. We know we're building content for thought leadership, especially if we're in a a B2B situation. We know we're building it for search engine optimization, and that, that is a combination of, yes, branded terms that include our brand name in the search, but we also want to be found for things we do, not just the the company name, because there are a lot of people who won't know uh, what company to, to talk to. They don't have any idea that your company does this kind of thing. So we have to be found for the thing we do online as much as for the, the company name that we have. You may also be building content for outreach, sales support. Do I have a, a kind of material that I can put in front of uh, um, my my customers um, where the salesperson can ha- deliver this kind of content um, electronically, either through a LinkedIn message or, or through um, a direct email to that person? All of that means that we need to have some kind of documented content strategy that tells us, you know, what topics do we cover? At the same time, what topics do we not cover? What do we not want to mention? What do we not want to talk about? And then what are the keywords that we're doing? What what kind of keyword strategy do we have where I'm continually putting content out that works those keywords in so that I can improve my, my search engine optimization? All of that builds up into a content marketing strategy, and we definitely want to have one. Uh, 62% of the most successful content marketing organizations have that documented strategy. That's according to the Content Marketing Institute. That's the tip for today. Document that. Come up with a plan. You can you can definitely do this. We are joined on this segment of the podcast uh, by Apex Business Advisors. I've got Andy Cavanaugh, who is a senior advisor, and Doug Hubler, who's president. Uh, Andy and Doug, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, you did forget to mention that we're award-winning <laughs> oh, podcast hosts. You, you are if also you want to start over. You are, you are also <laughs> award-winning podcast host. The Apex Business Advisors podcast is is a delightful one. We'll, we'll I am sure we will cover this at some point. It'll come up multiple yeah. times. I'm sure. You you were kind enough to have me on your podcast, and I I appreciate that tremendously. Highest rated show we've had. That is. <laughs> I did get comments on it. People people listen to yeah. your podcast. It's a they it's do. a solid show. Yeah, I can't you. guarantee that anyone listens to this podcast other than, you know, we do see some stats. Oh, we'll we'll just let it fly then. I mean, no. just let yeah, help us earn that explicit it, rating. It's just us girls talking. We're good. We're, good. we're all set. We're all set for the next 45 minutes. Well, could somebody give me an overview of Apex Business Advisors? What what are what is it you'd say you do here? Okay, I'll take this one. Sounds like a president should answer this yeah, one. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So Apex Business Advisors been around for 23 years approximately. And what we do, it's the easiest thing to say is we're business brokers. So we make the market for people who want to sell businesses and buy businesses. So we bring those folks together and... Um, you know, get that business owner the retirement they've been looking for or their next deal, or maybe a business owner's looking to expand their business and want to buy it, buy another business. Uh, when, when is the right time for somebody to talk to a, a business broker? Is, is that today? Is that as I'm, if, if I need to sell on Monday, is Friday okay for, for me to talk to you? Well, uh, if you listen to our podcast, you know that we have a contractual obligation of equal time. So I'm going to go ahead and take this <laughs> That's one. Good. That's good. Uh, yeah. So the do not call us on Friday wanting to sell on Monday. That's a little too aggressive. We could probably get her done by Tuesday, but definitely not Monday. <laughs> That's true. We like to talk to people two to five years in, in advance of them actually mm -hmm. selling the business. That's where we're going to be able to help them get a business that's ready for sale. Um Selling a business is different than selling any other asset that you would ever sell. Um, you can spruce up a house. You can get mm -hmm. a house sale ready pretty quickly. Um, throw a little fresh paint of coat there on right, it, right. you know, fix the gutters, get the landscaping, throw some new mulch down. You're, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. With a business, it takes a long time to do that. Um, the, the story I like to tell people is that we had a mechanic that came in and he was working about 60 hours a week admirable, noble, turning wrenches. And he told us that he needed a million dollars for his business. And you don't get a million dollars for a business where you're the business. Mm, you're the guy mm -hmm. turning the wrenches. Right. And it took him four years to stop turning wrenches, be a service rider, oversee the service rider, and basically run the business. In that four years, he went from working 50, 60 hours a week, trying to beat flag time, mm -hmm. to working... 15, 20 hours a week being in the business. And so he stopped working in the business, started working on the business. But mm -hmm. it took him four years to grow his valuation to the point where he could sell for the, the amount of money that he needed. And so if you're a sophisticated business, you're you're running this for a long time, you're you're you've been working on the business for for some time now. Um is is there a um as as we look back at the the financials, because you're you're basing valuation on on what's how the business is performing, is is there a number of years of good data that that a buyer is looking for? Like is it if if I'm ending my books this year, is it too late for me to pay attention to this 
this year? Or do I need to, you know, if I intend to sell in 2026, do I care about my 2023 numbers for this? What, what's my timing look like there? Well, as my uh, freshman counselor told me, your grades in freshman year count. That's that is important. So it, it does. Um, a lot of times, people think that, well, this is how much the business is worth, and and a lot of times they don't really understand how a small to and we're talking Main Street type businesses mm -hmm. here. Okay, so we're not talking massive publicly traded companies. Okay. We're talking about the the Main Street business, your HVAC, your mm -hmm. roofing, gutters, um, those type of businesses. It's typically three years. Your okay. last three years is the valuation period. And so if in 2023, you've got what we would refer to as dirty books mm. and you need to spend some time cleaning them up, um, 2023 matters if you're wanting to sell, especially 2026 at the earliest. You can kind of argue, eh, you don't don't worry about 2023 so far. Yeah, yeah. But if you're looking at selling in 24, 25, 23 becomes a very important year. So the last three years are the, the most important three years of a business, and that's what your valuation is going to be based off of in, in these types of businesses. I, and I know that um, business owners get into the day-to-day the -day of things, and 2026 doesn't exist for me yet. Like, I'm not, I, I'm not thinking that far ahead. So understanding the difference and understanding that you need to do, look at that now, kind of important. Um, I, I can imagine that people are sometimes thinking, hey, what if I, I don't want to talk to you guys yet because what if my employees? find out? What if my customers find out? Like, I, I don't want to give that up. What what kind of safeguards do you have in place to keep that from happening? Well, it's a very important thing for us, too. We mm -hmm. like to protect our data. We like to protect our clients. And, and I don't even tell my wife who I'm talking to. I mean, it's just secretive. And she doesn't, and I keep her out of it, keeps stress low at home anyway, right? So it probably does. let's just uh, keep it to ourselves. And we'll sign confidentiality agreements if we need to. Mm -hmm. But I always tell business owners that, you know, it's probably best to meet off-site, meet at our office if we can. If we're going to meet at their office, it needs to be in a, in a location where there's not going to be prying eyes mm -hmm. or we don't have to whisper mm -hmm. around or... You know, we we find a place where we can meet and it's confidential because confidentiality is critical in our world. If an employee finds out at some point, ask the owner, they can have a couple of different answers. They can be honest about it and say, well, geez, I'm in my late 60s. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. It's in the future. I have to be thinking about it. Or they can say, everybody's always asking me about my business if I want to sell and 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 just take it and, and not freak out about the question because right. it can come up. And the worst thing you can do is say, oh, my God, you found out how oh, to find no. out. I, yeah. What am I going to do? It just, you know, it should just be a natural. Yeah, of course. Every, everything's for sale. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty common answer. There's a life cycle to it. I yeah. Assume. Yeah. Yeah. And the confidentiality is Tony uh, told Carmela, please don't make me a, <laughs> make you an accomplice after the fact. Right. So. <laughs> There's a lot of damage. Going back to our real estate example, when you put uh -huh. your house up for sale, you want everybody to, to know about it. You post it on Facebook. It's on the MLS. Your right. realtor's posting it. You ask your friends, hey, go, go help advertise this and get this out there for me. When the business is for sale, you don't want anybody to know. You don't, uh -huh. want your, you don't want your customers to know. You don't want your employees to know. You don't want your suppliers to know. Perhaps you don't want your landlord to know. Uh -huh. it, there's a lot of damage that can be done to a business reputationally. Going back to the 
how long we should talk to somebody. Mm. On average, it takes about nine to 12 months to sell one of these. Okay. So there's a significant amount of damage that can be done if revenues dip while the business is for sale, if the revenues dip, if the cash flow dips, mm -hmm. if, you know, the business metrics start going down, the valuation of that business will reduce while it's being, oh, yeah. while it's oh, being yeah. marketed. Market. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where you just don't, People just don't need to know until they absolutely need to know. Mm -hmm. And there's so many deals that actually fall apart. Um, and typically they'll fall apart in what's called due diligence, but mm -hmm. they'll, they fall apart and they fall apart relatively late in the game. So if you've been out telling your employees, yeah, hey, this, here's a new, here's a new owner and you're letting that person work in the business and, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. And then that person falls out. Now the employees, and your customers and whoever else, they're telling the story of, oh, oh yeah. this place is going down. Oh, we're mm -hmm. we're all getting fired. We're all getting we're all getting let go. So you just you you gotta keep it close to the vest. And and nine months to twelve months to sell the business um as as a process, that that does kind of reinforce the don't talk to me on Friday and try to sell right. my business on right. Monday. That that's not going to work for any of us. So what what do I need to do to be ready to sell my business? You mentioned um my my books are dirty or whatever. Tell tell us more about what, what that means, what it takes. What are we looking at to to help get a business ready to to go? on the market? Well, first of all, there are a lot of variables. So, you know, one of the things we talked about, Andy said, clean books, but we also talk need to know about there's customer concentration issues, right? How do I turn a 75% customer into a 25% customer? That mm -hmm. can take quite a while to get that ready. Mm -hmm. Do I have, am I leading the company or am I turning wrenches? Do I have support staff? Do I have other leadership? Mm -hmm. Can I hand over the keys to somebody? Can I go on vacation for two weeks and and know the business is in good hands? So there are a lot of things that somebody needs to do to be prepared. But all those variables, it's hard to say, oh, here are, here are five things that you need to do. And it, it really takes having a discussion with, with a group like ours to say, here, here are all the things you need to think about. But we need to kind of interview them too, understand their business, understand their industry, and do some comparisons kind of understand the value or this, how do they see retirement? So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say here are the three things. Yeah. There, there are so many things that we need to look at. We, we spend a significant amount of time learning and understanding their business. Not mm -hmm. necessarily, oh, I, I, I've talked to business brokers that have said, oh, I could go in and run this business. I, I don't get to that level, but we get to a level to where we know the ins and outs of the business mm -hmm. and we know how the business operates and we know the selling points and the, the points that need to be cleaned up. And a lot of times we have to build that trust. Not mm -hmm. a lot of times, every time we have to build that trust with the seller to tell them that, listen, it's okay that you don't have a website. That's actually a selling point. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity oh, for the new, the new, the buyer wants to know how can I grow the business? Mm -hmm. They want to know that there's process and people and perhaps some technology in place. But they also want to know that this thing hasn't peaked. Yeah, that there's room mm -hmm. to grow, right? That, yeah. Yeah, so the, the the misnomer really is that people think that they want to sell their business. I think a lot of business owners think that, well, I'm not going to sell my business because things are going good. And so I, I, me thinking, so you want to sell it when it's going bad? Who would want to buy yeah. it when it's yeah. going bad? <laughs> oh, this industry's tanking. Revenue's been down. <laughs> what thing's time to get out. Well, that's not exactly. Yeah. You really want to sell it right before the thing has peaked. Mm -hmm. You want to sell it when it's maybe 80% of where it could be because it's very attractive at that point. There's still room for growth. Okay. You still have a strong industry. 
you still have good people in place and somebody can take it from where it's at now and grow it and keep growing. If yeah. you sell it where it's peaked, a buyer's just going to look at it and go, this thing's peaked. Yeah. I can't do I, anything more with this. this. I can't squeeze anything else out of this. This is I it. I can, I can't make this any better. And that is also not attractive. You know, it, it sure sounds like when, when a business owner starts talking to you and, and starts having those conversations about um, it's it's time or it will be time soon, that you you work with them individually and, and give them kind of that coaching to get them from, um, I, I don't know, I, I want to sell. I know the goal is to sell, but I don't know what it takes to get there. How do they get to a point where they understand what that business is worth? Originally, when they come in, the valuation, the number is very rarely what they want it to be. Mm-hmm. I I could probably count on one hand where we've given a broker, what we call a broker's opinion of value. So okay. we're, we're not certified business appraisal people. We can give you a pretty good idea. We've seen enough of these deals done that we know, look, this is probably where you're going to list and sell. Very few people come in and they go... Wow, that much? That's amazing. <laughs> I didn't think it was worth that much. So much higher than I thought. <laughs> you know, generally what we get is the uh, the person that's got a, we, we use the term seller's discretionary earnings. How, what's the owner's economic benefit? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that number might be 20 grand and they think the business is worth $2 million. Gotcha. Well, I thought it was worth three times my revenue. Well, that that's still not how that math works, but we're we're going to set that aside. It's not that, you know, and so I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions on how is your multiple off revenue? Is it off of profit? Is it mm-hmm. off of, you know, what's it off of? And the, the businesses we sell, it's off of seller's discretionary earnings, the owner's economic benefit of the business times a multiple. And most people, that number is not what they think it is, mm-hmm. or they've gone to you know, somebody that doesn't list and sell these businesses every day like we do. Oh, sure. And they're told, well, sir, your restaurant's worth $800,000 and we get it. And we're like, eh, you know, anything over four, you'd be lucky. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, who, who are you going to listen to? I yeah. think some of the, yeah, we run into a lot of advisors, mm-hmm. accountants, attorneys, financial advisors who say your business is worth X, but it may be. They may be feeding off what they know the seller wants, you oh, know. Sure. So yeah. th- they're giving them some um, some information that's really not accurate in the marketplace. But so we've got to come in and give them a, a dose of reality, and they can be a little upset sometimes. Yeah. But I think we just go through the math with them and get them to understand. Listen, it's got to be able to somebody's got to buy it, pay debt, pay themselves mm-hmm. and actually have some money left over to, to operate the business. And that's that equation we go through quite a bit with somebody and, and they'll get it mm-hmm. usually. And if they don't, if they're still upset, then we probably can't help them. Yeah. The example of the mechanic that I gave mm-hmm. that guy by the fourth year, he was coming in with his cash flow sheet already filled out for us. Oh, wow. With yeah. it ticked and tied to his P&L, his yeah. tax return. He had gone through it enough and he was managing his business to that to that no. seller's discretionary earnings sheet because he had his end goal in mind as to okay I know that this number's got to get to here for me to get what I want right and you know he he did everything that he could to manage his business to getting it there and he I, ran a very efficient business by the by that fourth year when he mm-hmm. sold he, his business was tight I would say that, you know, when we say it's a nine months to a year to sell a business, mm-hmm. that's typical. But if we're working with somebody ahead of time and we've got them prepped to go to market, it can be a matter of weeks 
when it's oh, on the yeah. market and sold. So it really makes a huge difference. That nine months to a year is just that typical mm-hmm. business owner that comes to us unprepared, unannounced, and says, okay, I'm ready to go to market. Now, we may have been talking to them for two or three years or or following up with them, and they're like, no, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. No, Mm -hmm. I'm not ready. And then they're like, okay, now I'm ready. Weekend was great. I was on vacation. Last Friday, somebody quit on me, so I want to sell now. Yeah. Those don't work very well. And that's going to take some time. Yeah, it sounds like the the those the same advisors that who are giving all all kinds of advice um, to a business owner. You you need to be right there alongside of them and saying, "Hey, we know that you're going to exit at some point. If we're close, let's start talking today. Exactly. Let's, let we don't have to put it on the market now. Right. Let's just get you ready to get the most money for it. That's better for everybody. I I can I can see the wisdom of this. Okay. Okay. If now I, I assume that as part of the the process, um, you know, whether you're telling a business owner that oh yeah, your business isn't worth that. That's not what you could expect to receive for it. Um, there are some fights that happen. Um, if if there are areas where fights happen, is that on valuation? Is that on um the negotiation? part where, where do these where where do fights happen i mean everywhere typically don't, don't they happen like in the common the big break room uh, are you talking about the broker fight i think the broker fight the, that's the ones you can make the most money on when you when you're betting on someone you're like ah, andy's gonna be good but if the fight goes to the ground i'm i'm, I'm not sure he can hang with this jeff's got a long reach yeah. <laughs> gotta keep him standing gotta that's keep right. him standing <laughs> I don't know. With you know the fights in the in the deals, it can happen anywhere along the way. Oh. So you know it'd be nice to be able to say you know put a Gantt chart together and mm-hmm. this is how they work all the time and it and it doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. It can be in the valuation. It can be in the financing of the deal, the due diligence phase, the arguments over what is the seller discretionary earnings. It can be over oh somebody needs a. Um, uh, an environmental study done on the property. Uh, sure. It can be tons of emotion. Mm-hmm. And then you get attorneys and bankers and accountants involved. And you've got all these personalities yeah. coming in, all these advisors on both sides. And so we're kind of in the middle, like, okay, if you want to sell and you want to buy, let's figure out how to make this work. And there are going to be obstacles along the way. We just kind of need to manage those mm-hmm. and manage the expectations. I think we know when it falls apart in due diligence more. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if if you're saying you want 500 for it and I'm saying I'll pay you 250, mm-hmm. we don't get very far. Yeah, yeah. That conversation it, it, it ends. Goes, it That's goes away pretty fast. Yeah. yeah, it goes yeah. away pretty fast. It's really where it becomes, you know, really hits our radar is after we've got an accepted offer before closing. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that period is called due diligence. And that's where the deal is really put together and formalized and finalized. And, and that's where we see the vast majority of what we would say, okay, this is where, this is really where the magic of us Mm -hmm. comes in is keeping this thing on track during due diligence. And, um, you know, we can't keep them all on at some point, somebody may find out something that just, it's a deal breaker. That's the deal breaker for them. Yeah. And it, it may have been disclosed Mm -hmm. and, you know, we try to, we try to find those things as early as we can. We, we want it, you know, if, hey, if we're going to fail, let's fail fast. Yeah, let's not get yeah. eight weeks down the road and all of a sudden we're like, oh, this deal fell apart because mm-hmm. then we're starting over. We're back out looking for a buyer. We're back out trying to negotiate, you know. So we want to know that stuff as, as quick as we can. So and we have, you know, tons of examples. And I'll give one that's just happened today oh. where I've got a buyer and seller 
who want to get the deal done. They've agreed to the deal. Mm -hmm. They know they want to close as soon as possible. They've been talking for a number of months. It's the two attorneys on the deal that are fighting over language. Buyer and seller are together. They agree. They don't, like, at this point, fire your attorneys. Yeah. Agree to the language. You both know what you want and move on. And and it's, I don't say that lightly because sure. we need attorneys and deals. Yeah. But sometimes they get a little bit territorial. They want language exactly mm-hmm. the way they, way they want it, and they don't give in. Yeah. And so there's some frustration there, and time kills deals. We know that. Mm-hmm. So this is the point where we say, okay, you guys want to do this deal. Let's just let's just make it happen. It sounds like you guys are are um, as much advisor as you are diplomat. I mean, you're 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 helping move the process along and doing it in a way where you're helping people, you know, keep focused on the end goal. And you're you're saying, guys, I'm I'm here to negotiate things. We're we're therapists. Yeah, a lot of times to keep people even keeled, try to take the emotion out of it. Let's just. I know you're upset about this, but let's look at the end game here. Yeah, it was, took us an extra week, whatever. Uh, but let's just focus on what we can solve. Gotcha. I started counting my um, communications with a with sellers, mm-hmm. and on average, I communicate with a seller over 750 times. Wow. So, you know, when somebody's like, well, "What are you What are you going to do for me?" It's like, "I, I don't know. I'm going to talk to you 750 I'm times, gonna, I'm and gonna there's going to be." Your gonna best be... Friend. <laughs> There's going to be 750 reasons for us to uh, talk, and, yep. you know, I can't tell you what those 750 are going to be, but you're going to need me. I'll cut down <laughs> on the thanks email as many times as I can, but we're still going to talk. Um, you you own a business. You've both owned businesses in the past. Uh, if we if we think about you as business owner, what what is what is the best advice you could give to a business owner? You go, or or best advice you've received as a business owner, something something that was meaningful to you. You know, I think as a business owner, you can get really caught up in counting pennies. You can walk over hundreds of dollars to pick up pennies and dimes. Mm-hmm. And so, I think it's really you've got to have that discipline and focus to know what the hourly rate is of the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, something that I personally got caught up in in a business owner role is. I let go of a $13 an hour employee because I didn't feel like they were doing a very good job. And I stepped into that role because I can do that role and my other role. Sure. And so I started giving up $50, $7,500, $500 an hour type work to do $15 an hour work. And so I think knowing the value of each role and having the discipline to stay to do the $100,000, $500,000 an hour work mm-hmm. is a, is where the owner needs to spend their time stay elevated yeah i think what i've what i've learned out of this whole process and probably some advice i've gotten along the way is use advisors and don't do it all yourself hire a fantastic marketing company oh that's very nice i Um, what great advice yeah (laughs) but but really there there are so many things that i don't have the skill set to do and i decided years ago to say, I need to hire professionals to do this for mm. me to get ahead. Otherwise, I'd, it, there would be no way I could accomplish everything that we've done so far by me trying to do it all. I, I had to get through uh, my master's level accounting class and, and said, 
I know enough that I need to hire an right. accountant. Right. I will That's never smart. do that myself ever <laughs> for any reason. Well, and I think it, 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 to Doug's point, this is what you guys do every day. Yeah. This yeah. is what mm-hmm. we do every day, you know? And so it's just the fact that we've talked that even our most inexperienced brokers have sold five more businesses mm-hmm. than most of the people coming through our door. True. True. Our, our most inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it is one of those things where, sure, you could do it on your own, but do you really want to deal with, yeah. um, it, you know, like a liquor store, for example, gets probably 150 inquiries on it. Oh, okay. If you're a liquor store owner, do you want to take those 150 calls? Oh, right. Gotcha. Do you want to screen those 150 buyers? Yeah, yeah. Like this is what you do every day. What we do. Trust the professionals. Day. Trust your advisors. Well, and and we could say without a doubt that if somebody's trying to sell their own business, unless they're really lying to somebody, they're not getting what they could have gotten if they'd hired a professional. That that's all the reason I need. Uh, let's let's kick this into the lightning round, shall we? Ready. Hold on. All right. Okay. Here we getting, go. Getting, Here we go. Andy's limbering up. Uh, we're, this is short answer, kind of soundbite. We can dive in more if we need to. But uh, our first question goes to Andy. What's the secret to a good smoothie? <laughs> Sonic ice. Son- oh, Hoshizaki ice. Oh, pellet ice. Bullet yeah. ice. Yeah. Pellet ice. Pellet ice. That's uh, the, as, the my, as my girls might call it, rabbit poop ice. <laughs> rabbit poop ice. I, no one will that's, ever say that's a bad ice. Going to that shop. Exactly. Uh, it's Doug. not real rabbit poop, Doug. It's kind of, it's, it's pellet. I, it's, I got it. I'm going to bring it. some in. You, you, you owned a franchise at one point. You know these things. You can trust right. this information. <laughs> pellet ice. That's the key. Uh, Doug, for, for seasoned cyclists... What's what's your favorite recommendation for an amazing ride? Where where should they go? What what is the coolest place to ride? Crested Butte. Crested Butte. Mountain biking. Stay off the roads. Uh-huh. Mountain biking, single track trails, Crested Butte. That seems like it would be absolutely lovely. I'm also thinking about elevation at that point. And it'll get to you. <laughs> it'll get to you for sure. If you're not But it's ready. beautiful. Uh, let's let's turn this one into a, an all play. Um, <laughs> this is a sports ball question because I know you guys like to have at least one sports ball question That's, on, on your own Andy. podcast. <laughs> is is Taylor Swift's presence at a Chiefs game an overall positive or an overall negative? I'd say it's a positive. I'm going to say it's a positive. I absolutely love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> you know, I like fun. It's fun. Taylor at the game is fun. Now, have the TV networks gone a little overboard? I think they lost my wife when they popped the stat up of what Travis's um, yards per game were with Taylor in attendance and not. <laughs> yes. And she didn't, she didn't really have a problem with that, but she had a problem with the heading being, you belong with T-E. Oh, yes. It's... You know, after Ian Eagles, Kelsey found a blank space. We were good. Like that was that was clever when it was first coming out, and now everybody's they're forcing it. Yes, it's a it's it's a, it's a it's a shtick at this it's, point. Yeah, it's becoming it, it's just becoming. It's a, it's a little much. It's yeah. a little much, but it did it has brought some excitement. I like him. I like her. And I think they make a lovely couple. Um, I hope they go the distance. And if they don't, I can't wait for the song that comes out of it. <laughs> it's gonna be. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going to be so amazing. Um, let's. What, you, you have a podcast. First, let me plug your award-winning podcast. Um, great podcast. Good, good podcast. Excellent you guys are, are doing a great job. What, what's your favorite thing about doing that podcast? For me, so we started the podcast when I was a really, relatively new um, business broker, mm-hmm. and um, honestly. Uh, and we can cut this part, but it's, <laughs> it, it, I get to pick Doug's brain oh, yeah, or yeah. I get to pick Doug's brain on a weekly basis mm-hmm. and just absorb, be a sponge to the knowledge that, that he brings to the industry. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, you can cut all of this, but, but to me, that is really the, the, the benefit for me is that I get to be listener number one and, you know, here, he, this guy's forgotten more about this industry and business brokering than I'll ever know. Um, it, so, well, especially with that like, attitude. I, no, I do have memory <laughs> issues. So, yeah. So what we're trying to do, <laughs> what we're trying to do is for Doug's memory issues, get everything down on Memorex so uh, we can go back and, and play it for him again. Hey, man, I was yeah. smart once. I really knew what I was doing. <laughs> I think we have a lot of fun doing it. There are tons of stories. Mm-hmm. Every every week we could come up with a story. And it's one of the things about our business. It's so interesting meeting, you know, all these new personalities, the mm-hmm. business owners, the types of businesses we come across. We are learning from each other, from all the brokers. And, you know, shoot, we have a lot of horror stories to tell and yeah. success stories. But the horror stories tend to be a little bit more entertaining uh, to listen yeah, to. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think when we first started out, we were wondering how many of these things could we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> do we really have do we really have content to do a how podcast? Because yeah. we had that conversation. Do we, mm-hmm. we have a... Okay. Can we do 20 of After these? After we get through 10 and we tell people this, this, and this, like mm-hmm. nobody's going to... And we just kept coming. Every week, it's... Every week, it's, the show almost writes itself. Just, just listen to just, what's going on, on around right. the office. And yeah, you're right. like, oh, really? Right. What's going right. on over there? Okay, I'll do a podcast on that. And yes. I think it's you know having the actual stories going on yeah. that day, and we can say, here's what's happening. Here, you may have heard something similar three months ago, uh-huh. but here's what's happening today. Yeah. You know, just a little twist. Well, it, it's also documenting too that I think. And, and I'm guilty of this myself, is I'll get to closing, the deal will close, everything is done, everybody got paid, and then I'm like, eh, it wasn't that bad. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that bad. You you immediately have that, that goldfish memory <laughs> of, I don't remember all the bad yeah, stuff. Every, look, everything's great. Everything's Look, I just bought myself a new pair of Jordans. Everything's <laughs> that's, fine. That's good. And my, just, my response is, that's great. What's next? But, yeah, see, and that's that's something you can learn from right there. That's that's good. That's good advice. What's next? So yeah, we did it. So Let's we, go. What's we next? Ha- actually have had this conversation. You know, he's when I cashed my first big check. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I came in the next day and I I was like, okay, cash that check. Now what's next? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, it is. This is a business where, based on how we're compensated, that mm-hmm. you have to be very self disciplined and you have to be very self-starter or whatever the case is, because you, if I may use another Sopranos reference, oh, please do. You're, you're only as good as your last envelope. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you're, you're constantly out trying to, you're constantly out looking for what's next and you're constantly out getting the next listing and, and making sure that that listing gets to closing because the other thing is, it's not just about the compensation. It's also about, we're cementing the legacy of somebody's life work mm-hmm. and we're sending people to retire. Oftentimes we're sending people to retirement and, you know, we get to live vicariously through those people 
um, as they go into retirement. So it, it is important because for them, this is it. They're going to sell this one time. And, you know, so we've got to be on our, our game every day to make sure that that gets there. There's not one thing better I could possibly end on than that statement. That's a that is that a great good. pull quote. That's that solid. Good. You right. yeah, there's a reason you do this for a living. That's <laughs> that's really well done. I where let me let me wrap it that's, up. Where, okay. That's why I'm just the guest. That's why you're the guest on the podcast. He's right. been yeah. a guest for 95, <laughs> 95 episodes. Oh man, 100 episodes as a guest. That's better than any Saturday Night Live cast member has ever done. Uh, where where can people find you? How do they how do they learn about you and 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 get in touch? I'm going to let Andy take this. You know, Jeff, really the only place people got to go, kcapex.com. That's going to be your source for all things business, buying and selling. Okay, we got blogs out there. We got our podcasts out there. We got our active listings. You want to get in touch with any member of our team? There's bios, there's email address, there's phone numbers, there's LinkedIn contacts. I mean, we've got it all out there. I mean, it's a great website, a lot of good metrics, tons of graphs that I just saw that I have no idea what they meant, but <laughs> we have a lot of graphs about what happens on our website. So, so much content out there, kcapex.com. And if you're looking at buying or selling a business, we got you, fam. That's I, isn't that lovely? That is amazing. I love to hear that. He's really he really crushes it. Yeah. Uh, Andy Cavanaugh and Doug Hubler from Apex Business Advisors. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate Thanks you for having us. And that is our show. Thank you to Doug and to Andy for being with us today from Apex Business Advisors. And thank you for listening to the Small Business Miracles podcast. Remember to subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review. Drop us a line on the website at eagadv.com if you have some thoughts. Until then, we're out here helping entrepreneurs with another Small Business Miracle.